You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Are you a diehard comic book collector? Or maybe a lapsed fan? Maybe even someone who has never picked up a comic book in their life. Hi, I'm Remso Martinez. And I'm Mark Clare. Every single Wednesday at the Second Print Comics Podcast, Remzo and I take a deep dive into the storylines, character arcs, moments, and events that made us the fans we are today. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else podcasts are available. Check out more from the Second Print Comics Podcast at secondprintcomics.com. You're on the run with Remzo W. Martinez. Please excuse me if my voice is a bit quieter in this episode. It is because, according to my family, I am extremely loud. I talk to myself and my internet friends, especially at 1am. Welcome back to On The Run. This is an episode where I am literally telling you why I am running away from home. Not entirely. I have been uh, previewing it for the past month. I think this might be out of order from an episode where I already told you that by the time you're listening to it, I've moved. So excuse me if you might be a bit confused, but right now the date is... May 3rd at 9.50pm Eastern Time, and I'm recording this, and I have started my first day of work as the uh, digital marketing manager at the Badger Institute, so now I have to make sure that I actually get this stuff on time, uh, you know, so that way the podcast audience knows that I'm still up. But uh, yes, I am finally leaving Virginia. I never thought this day would come. I've lived here since 2007, and really... For all its faults, for everything that I have probably made fun and complained about over the last uh, you know decade or so, uh, it's finally here. And really, if some of you are thinking, "Wow, I wonder if this has to do with the pandemic," um, it's it's partially true, but it, it's been leading to this point for a while, at least the last uh, since 2018. I'll say. I've known that I've I've had to leave Virginia. So we're going to kind of get into this. This isn't a list. This is kind of a stream of consciousness episode. But uh, here's why I'm leaving Virginia. I got a job out of Wisconsin. I'm sorry. I, I got a job in Wisconsin. I got a job out in Wisconsin. You're probably wondering, what is that job? And as I mentioned earlier, it's a job getting to work for an amazing nonprofit. It's a state uh, policy level think tank where I'm going to be helping some incredibly smart men and women help the residents of the Badger State uh, save more money and save more of their property and save more of their liberties. And I can't think of a better job. It's an honor and a privilege to get the opportunity to work there, really, to get the responsibility and the opportunities I have now. Uh, this is this is just an amazing opportunity. But I can say that, um, you know, if it hadn't been here, it would have been elsewhere doing whatever because I've, you know, I, 
over the past year specifically, uh, Northern Virginia has been incredibly difficult to live in. Uh, a while back, I did an episode of Ken LaCourt talking briefly. It, it just came up randomly that, uh, you know, I was I was looking at a couple of states to move at. And even about a year prior, very, very early on in the show, uh, I did an episode where I took a road trip around Virginia. And what I basically learned at the end of that journey was that I, I just can't live here. So what are the reasons? Well, one, I got a job in Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin is a cheaper state than Virginia. Cost of living is remarkably better. And in terms of its politics, it might be a blue state, but where I'll be living, uh, it's it's pretty conservative. It's good rural people who like to keep to themselves, and I look forward to not having to live near a giant major urban population ever again, especially when the next presidential uh, election comes around and BLM decides to show back up and burn down half the country again. I know for some of you, you might be saying, that's not what happened, but I'm sorry, flames don't lie. Uh, it's also, you know, a a bit more personal than that. I I've never wanted to leave Virginia. Northern Virginia has been my home since 2007. And, you know, I, I grew up as a, as a military kid and I moved around a lot. And when you get to move around so often at such a young age, it, it really makes you question what you want. And for me, it's always been simple. I wanted to live somewhere comfortable where I, began to actually plant roots and I could really plan out my life as an adult. And I really wanted to do that here. I've been living here since I graduated from college. I've had multiple jobs in the area. And what I can tell you is that this place is not the same place I grew up in. For one, um, it's becoming incredibly difficult to afford to live here. It used to be that even like 10, 15 years ago, you could make around $45,000 and live a pretty good middle-class life. Now you make forty dollars to $45,000, and as the, as the memes say, you have to have a side hustle and a little bit of crime on the side to afford to live here. Uh, because it's it's incredibly difficult to afford to be here. I mean, forty thousand here is different than let's say forty thousand in a state like Indiana or Tennessee or Georgia or Florida or North Carolina. The buying power just isn't here. And there's this. Uh, it, it's a Marxist theory, believe it or not. Uh, it's something called late stage capitalism. And what late stage capitalism basically means is that the the income and wealth inequality is so ginormous that you're going to have the extremely re- rich people and you're going to have the extremely poor people. And this is a, you know, a libertarian show on a libertarian network. You're not going to hear really anybody say that anything that Marx said was correct, but there is some validity to at least the appearance of the concept. Late stage capitalism uh, goes into a bunch of other things that you know I disagree with. I'm not here to talk about that. But what I will say is that I've heard a lot of my liberal friends refer to what's going on in the Beltway, which is uh, composed of Northern Virginia, Washington, D.C., and parts of Maryland as the Gray's example of late stage capitalism on the East Coast, and you're you're really seeing that right now because uh, there, there's there's this thing going around saying that Maryland is the new Virginia because so many Virginians are moving to Maryland. Well, they did that to avoid all the new taxes and gun restrictions and everything else. And you know, Maryland was never necessarily a giant conservative bastion, 
But, you know, when you compare Larry Hogan to Ralph Northam, it's, it's pretty stark, despite the fact that the differences aren't too wide. But, um, you know, they went there, and then suddenly all the houses got more expensive. Everything just got more congested. And then you already had really poor communities getting remarkably you know, poor. And now what you have is you have your extremely wealthy white collar people who have jobs that they can do from home uh, and they can continue to stay home despite telling everybody else stay at home, despite the fact that they're going to go ahead and order someone to go pick up the groceries and pick up their food and pick up them when they don't want to drive somewhere. So, you know, everyone stay at home, but everyone also go out and do things for them. And then you have the people actually doing that. Uh, I've been everything here. I've been extremely poor. I've been extremely well off. Uh, I've been the social media coordinator at a major media outlet. I've been a GameStop cashier. I've owned several businesses. I've been a mall cop. I've been an extremely successful copywriter. I've been a GameStop cashier. I've been the director of outreach for a major several billion dollar tech startup and I've worked at a warehouse. Um, I've, you know, I've been uh, a multimedia producer and I used to sell makeup to strippers. I've seen everything. And no, that was not like a slow incline. That was up and down and up and down in terms of jobs. I've done a little bit of everything. And throughout my time here, uh, you know, I did learn a lot of major things. I learned how to conserve my money. I learned how to become more financially literate. I learned the importance of cash flow developing passive income. Uh, I've had opportunities I would have never had anywhere else in the country, even, dare I say, even the world. So, I mean, uh, I've learned a lot and I've benefited a lot by living here, but now it's at the point where, um, you know, you can only get so far. And given the current administration, I mean, uh, you know, there's a reason why Amazon is here. There's a reason why the entire military-industrial complex is here, why, you know, Big Pharma and everyone else is here. It's because they've always been here and, you know, they're growing. They're growing their influence. So I'm not saying that Marx was right about the concept of late-stage capitalism, but what I am saying is that when the liberals refer to the Beltway as being an example of late-stage capitalism, there is some validity to it, at least from where we can, you know, look at things. And uh, it, it's not comfortable for me to say that. Uh, you know, some somebody uh, I know, Charlie LaDuff from Deadline Detroit, uh, you know, he even talks about the concept of late stage capitalism. And he went to the University of Chicago and got a degree in economics. And I think later on he went to get a degree in journalism. So you've got this guy who I wouldn't call Charlie like, you know, a conservative, but he's certainly not a progressive. He's certainly not a leftist. And when he's pointing out, and this somebody that's traveled to far more places throughout the country and the world than I have, when he's calling it late stage capitalism in certain parts of the country, uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and believe him on that. Uh, secondly, as many of you know, I'm getting married. I have been engaged for a bit now, and I've had to ask myself, do I want to raise a family here? Um, for a while, I, I knew that I wanted to move out of Nova and the Beltway, but I wanted to stay in Virginia. I looked at areas like Lynchburg and Culpeper. Culpeper is my favorite uh, place in all of Virginia. And, um, you know, despite how the politics are, especially in Fairfax, Prince William, and Arlington County, uh, I always said, you know, predominantly this is a good place to raise a child, and now I really don't believe that. Um, I never wanted to put my kids, potential kids, in public school, but 
Uh, I certainly don't even want them to be in a place where I I might not have the option of homeschooling. I think Virginia is incredibly becoming a much more dangerous place for homeschoolers, for parents that want to exercise their right to raise their children the way they see fit. Uh, Virginia churches have basically been over backwards to the whim of the government in terms of closings, and nobody wants to talk about it, but hundreds of churches across Virginia, across denominations, have closed down because of COVID and lockdowns and everything. Uh, the gun culture here is, despite the big gun rally we had in like 2019, uh, the gun culture here is getting remarkably worse, primarily because of all the transplants from New York and California who were here uh, voting to go ahead and limit the gun rights and opportunities here in Virginia. Uh, back in 2020, they went ahead and passed a firearms bill, which limited the number of handguns you could buy during the month. And now they're going after uh, the magazine capacity and everything else. And I mean, it's just it, it's at the point where, you know, people say, oh, well, you know, we just need a, you know, a few terms of Republicans to repeal all of that. But what I've been saying, and I said this during my time actively in the Libertarian Party of Virginia, is that uh, the Republicans aren't aren't much better here. In fact, the Republicans are often worse. The worst governor during my time was not actually a Democrat. It was actually uh, Governor Bob McDonald because he went ahead and pushed through the highway expansion bill, which gave us a gas tax and increased sales tax, put more tolls on the road, just was giant bloated spending. Uh, that was one, that was just loaded with pork, and it, it paved the way for a lot of the really terrible policies we would have later with uh, Terry McAuliffe. And then with Ralph Northam, uh, Bob McDonald basically gave them the roadmap to do that. Uh, secondly, I mean, v- Virginia has a pension crisis. Eventually, you know, uh, state employees are going to get to the point where the pension's going to run out and they're not going to be able to uh, fund it. And what they're going to do is they're going to go on strike and threaten people. And what the government is going to do is just going to go ahead and expand taxes on everyone else. Um, and these state employees, they never think they have to pay taxes, but basically they're going to end up paying more in taxes to pay themselves back in the pension. Nobody ever liked to talk about that. Uh, Robert Sarvis, libertarian, talked about that in 2013 when he ran for governor. Nobody wanted to talk about it. He talked about it again in 2014 when he ran for U.S. Senate. Nobody wanted to talk about that. Virginia wants want, wants you to bake its cake, and it wants to not pay for it. It's It's absolutely ridiculous. So, I mean, we've got that going on. Uh, am I saying that, you know, other states are remarkably better than this, even, you know, states that I may have listed earlier? No, every state has its problems. But Virginia used to be the place where you could go and, you know, there was a lot of economic opportunity here. And it's just it's just not the fact anymore. So you, you take a economically disempowered populace, then you go ahead and you attack the culture. And, um, you know, what I'm ultimately afraid of is more violence, uh, you know, from what went on in Charlottesville in 2017 to what went on uh, throughout 2020 in, you know, in and around D.C. and in Manassas and in Fredericksburg and in Richmond, uh, even in the town of, you know, Lynchburg, Virginia. I mean, it's it's been it's been getting like progressively more and more violent. And I mean, the thing is here, it used to be, at least politically, everyone kind of knew that if you lived in like certain neighborhoods, you're all defense contractors. So it didn't really matter who you voted for, like Democrat, Republican, you were all on team, you know, like, uh, you know, 
team contractor or team defense spending or team energy banking, whatever, be whatever you want. You're still involved in some type of big lobbying sector that's going to get a bunch of government welfare regardless, especially if you're a federal employee. Now it's at the point where then, like I want to say after 2012, it it started, you started to see more like dividing lines between like very adamant Republicans, very adamant Democrats. Now it's at the point where it's like, you know, at least Fairfax County Republicans, they're useless as hell. Um, Now they don't even fight. So it used to be Republicans versus Democrats. Now you've got the liberals after 2020, uh, you know, we have the empowered Karens and the you know, the, the woke white liberals and everyone else. Now you've got the liberals trying to out liberal each other, whether it comes to their bumper stickers or their yard signs or wearing double masks. You've got basically like this liberal purge amongst progressives going on right now where it's not good enough to just be liberal. You have to be like super uber liberal. It's like those people that say it's not good enough to be not racist. You have to be anti-racist. Um, that, that's stupid shit. And basically, um, you know, we, we've got just basically this very hostile culture. People will call the cops on neighbors. People will yell at you for stupid things while, when you're walking your dog, it's just not a friendly place to be. And it used to be like, you know, people could have these beliefs and their disagreements, but ultimately you were neighbors. Um, and now that's just not the case. It's just so openly hostile here. It's ridiculous. And then, then there are some other things like the population size of Fairfax County, Virginia is more so than the population of Iceland. And it's getting more and more heavily populated here. The schools can't take it. Uh, public infrastructure is just not not that big of a priority anymore. They always say it is. We always dump more money towards it, but they don't fix the potholes. Um, they're just planting tolls all over this place. And even you know uh, during the pandemic, I mean, traffic is still a big issue. So you know, despite the fact that it's better than it was before the lockdowns and everything, now since a lot of people are working from home and you know, choosing alternate methods of commuting and stuff like that if they can. It's still incredibly difficult. So, you know, all all this is basically to say, like, all the joy has been sucked out of living here. And I I don't want to deal with this. Um, some people might say I'm, I'm abandoning Virginia, but I I can't say that because, you know, for for those of you that know me, you know, that I tried as much as I could. I, I, you know, I managed libertarian campaigns, independent campaigns, Republican campaigns. I lobbied, I voted, I attended the rallies. I, I wrote the research papers. I interviewed the politicians. I did everything I possibly could. Now I'm at the point where it's like, I don't feel I can do much more here. And I'm hoping that in Wisconsin, I'll be able to at least try something new with people that are genuinely good and have the best motives for what they're doing. I hope that we can really impact the culture because as you all know, as I've said a million times, the Andrew Breitbart quote, politics is downstream of culture. I really feel that Virginia Republicans have given up. I mean, they, they just, they've completely given up. Um, you know, you want my two cents on the upcoming race here in Virginia for governor, Lieutenant governor, attorney general, it's going to be Terry McAuliffe and Democrat all the way down because Republicans just have given up. They don't fight. Uh, they've given up on every major issue here. I mean, there's a state that ran at Gillespie twice, and they, they just don't get any better. And I mean, honestly, like, you got to give it to the Democrats. They're far more organized. The Democrats are the reason why Corey Stewart got the nomination. They sent 
7,000 Democrats in some districts to go out and vote in the Republican primary because we have open primary he, primaries here for Corey Stewart, somebody that they knew um, could easily be defeated by Tim Kaine in 2018. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I, I like Pete Snyder, but I really don't know much about him. Not, not really seeing anything uh, about him. Glenn Youngkin, never heard of him. Uh, seems to be a little bit shady. Then you've got just some strange people running for lieutenant governor. Uh, Tim Hugo, who always ran uh, for re-election um, for for delegate. He was my delegate. He actually lives in my neighborhood. Like every year for like a decade and a half, he was always running on like curing Lyme disease. And he lost to Dan Helmer, uh, my current delegate, in 2018. Now he wanted to run again. And Oh, by the way, he also never conceded in 2018. But anyway, now he's running for lieutenant governor, and I guess he doesn't like gay people, and he wants to cure Lyme disease again. It's really weird. I can get into the why and the context and everything else. It's just not worth it. It's some weird shit. And, and I voted for some, like, establishment people in the past. Like, you know, if you make sure that we get, um, you know— snow removal in my neighborhood during like big blizzards and stuff like that. I'll vote for you. Like I I go for real petty personal things like that, but it's at the point here where it's like, I'm, I can't really tell the difference anymore because Virginia Republicans have been given the chance to make amends and do things right all over again. And then we get the Jill Vogels of the world who go ahead and vote for, you know, giant Medicaid expansion. So really, I mean, I'm just, I'm just tired. My entire you know, childhood, teenage years, early adulthood was here in Virginia. Um, it, you know, I wanted to do everything I could. And I'm just at the point now where it's like, you know, eight, nine years, I'm, I'm done. And I tried my best. I've tried everything. I've done everything. And, uh, I'm, I'm ready to move on because at the end of the day, you're, your biggest personal responsibility is to yourself because if you can't take care of yourself, how the hell are you going to take care of other people? I was the poor activist. I was the guy getting paid in free pizza, sleeping in his car, um, hoping that if I just yell, you know, that Democrats are bad enough times that I'll be able to get my way. I did that. And I'm at the point now where it's like, you know, the people really making the biggest impact are the people that have the ability to reach a mass audience and influence people. Jason Stapleton renamed his program from the Jason Stapleton program to Wealth, Power, and Influence for a reason. It's because if you don't have Wealth, Power, and Influence, you're going to have a hard time competing because we're at the point now where, you know, the days of like the everyman, um, you know, being able to make a giant difference right now, or I'm not going to say they're gone. I'm just going to say it's different and it's more difficult. Uh, You know, podcasting, for example, podcasting now is entirely different than podcasting when I started in like 2015, 2016. Um, the ability to use social media now is night and day compared to how it was um, five, six, seven years ago. So, I mean, the, the game is changing. And people here, you know, Virginia conservatives, Virginia Republicans, I'll even say libertarians, they want to play it like the game hasn't changed, like the rules are still the same. But that's just not the truth. We have to start admitting that. I think Virginia is basically gone for the entire south end of the Commonwealth is decimated. There are cities that look like literal ghost towns. Their economies are literally evaporating uh, before our eyes. Meanwhile, Nova becomes more powerful. It basically becomes South DC um, or South Maryland. I mean, p- pick your name. It's that. It's the People's Republic, and it's getting just so 
unrecognizable that, you know, I could stay here and I could say, you know, this is Virginia and this is what I like, but it's at the point where it's like, I, I can't, you know, I, I can't realistically say that it is, uh, it, it is any resemblance of what I grew up seeing. And I, I came here when Obama won Virginia in 2008 and I would take 2008 Virginia over Virginia now any day of the week because, it's, um, you know, it has changed so fast. And a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, you compare it to California, you compare it to New York, like it's nothing. Yeah. But like, you see, it took decades for those states to erode. It's been literally 10 years and Virginia is basically a police state now. It, it really is. And it's not like, it's not even the police state I worry about. It's like the woke mob I fear. I fear my neighbor more than I fear state officials. You know, there there was a moment last year where me and a few of my friends had a barbecue and we were quiet. We didn't bring too much attention to ourselves. But I live in a neighborhood where you can basically look into a lot of people's backyards and people would stop as they're doing their social distance, double mask walks, and they just stare. And uh, we got some complaints about, you know, how, uh, you know, the number of people you could have a single residence as guests. And it's like, you know, like it's not your business. You're doing this because you want, you want to, you're not doing this because you feel like you have to. And anyone that says otherwise, I genuinely just don't believe them at all. They've already told me that they're going to move out of Virginia. Uh, you know, my friends are here and, you know, some of them might move. I think others are going to say, but I don't know, you know, how often I'm going to get to really see them. And, uh, you know, my, my fiance's family is in uh, Maryland, West Virginia. Uh, you know, it was always nice living so close to them. But now my fiance is going to be moving with me once we get married to Wisconsin. So, I mean, a, a lot of changes are happening, one, because of, you know, my new career. But, it, it, you know, this was always going to happen. And it's incredibly sad because there's something special about Virginia. I, I said in an interview on my old show years ago that, you know, I'm not a Virginian by birth, but I'm a Virginian by choice. Um, you know, it's, it, it's one of these things that r really does bother me because I do love it here. I, I went on a, I went on a trip with my girlfriend in 2017. We went to go visit my grandmother in my hometown of Sierra Vista, Arizona. And I had not been back to Sierra Vista since 2012. So it'd been five years at that point. I haven't gone back since. And, um, you know, I, I grew up there and I moved out. Uh, in 2003, moved to Australia, and we never moved back. We, I mean, we'd go back like once every couple of years to visit my grandmother between moves. But um, you know, all my all my childhood memories really like they were from that town. It was a small desert town community, very Barry Goldwater ite in our you know day to day philosophy. And I just had these beautiful memories of it. But you know, I went back in 2017. It was different. The economy wasn't that great. Um, and this is in the first year of Trump, uh, the economy wasn't that great. People had moved out. It was just different. Like I could rec, I could remember things. I could go to places that I had memories at, but it got to the point where it's like, you know, I really had to ask, like, this is my hometown, but like, this is not the town I really feel like is home. When I think of home, I think of Fairfax County, Virginia. And, uh, you know, while that moment was somber, it brought about a little bit of melancholy, um, you know, as I had to say goodbye to one home to really begin to embrace another, uh, you know, years went by as I tried to build a life here. And it's at the point where it just, you know, with, with the lockdowns and COVID and everything else, and with the way that our progressive nature has taken us as a Commonwealth, 
It's um, it it's just not, you know, it, it's not just a move for me. It's really me saying goodbye to a place which has been a major part of my life. And for anyone that's still in Virginia, I'm not telling you to move, but what I am telling you to do is really consider how much you're willing to take before you're at the point where you're just like, I need to go to a place that is predominantly red and really, really has a lot of people who think and live like me where, you know, no amount of, you know, West coast population surge can change it. Um, there are many people I know who are very moderate politically, who like to stay away from the stuff who have basically told me, uh, you know, during the lockdowns and everything, we developed an escape plan. That escape plan is North Carolina. That escape plan is South Carolina, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, Texas. The number of people I know in 2020 who moved to Texas alone, like it, it's shocking. And, um, you know, the, the, the big thing is that, you know, th- think about it. If, if the Democrats get their way, especially in 2024, if Biden wins again, they could really do away with the Electoral College. I never thought this was something that I would really ever see in my lifetime, no matter how many times they brought it up. But now it's actually like a deep-rooted fear of mine. Like, they might actually do it. And if that happens, we're going to see a tyranny of the of the East and West Coast, and it's going to be bad. So I would rather be in middle America, where at least I've got physical distance and local and state government that's not utterly insane than be here where it's just going to be so bad. I I genuinely, and we've spoken about this on the show many, many times, I, I deeply fear that they're going to go ahead and limit our ability to move as free people, especially with these COVID passports and stuff that they want to go ahead and push around. Like I'm, I, I would rather be out of here in a place that's different, maybe a bit colder, maybe a bit far away where at least I have the option of moving around to a majority of the country than being a place where they might literally try and keep us in our homes. I'm not saying this to be, uh, you know, exaggerative. I'm not saying this to just, you know, be a, be a flamethrower or something like I'm deathly afraid that this is going to happen now because like, you know, they, they never got rid of the TSA or department of Homeland security after, you know, we basically took out Al Qaeda and ISIS and everyone else the war on terror, no one talks about it anymore. It's all still there, and it's all still bad. You think that with everything that's happened with the pandemic and the lockdowns and everything else, you think that they want to get rid of it? This isn't conspiracy. Like, this is now. Like, this isn't Alex Jones talk. Compared to your average person on the street, Alex Jones is a moderate now. You might think I'm a, I'm, I'm joking when I say that, but you've got people that are literally wondering whether they should invest their, you know, on the right side, like invest their money in like menthol cigarettes, um, you know, AR-15s and Bitcoin and, you know, leave for like either Tennessee or freaking Belize. And then you've got people on the left that want you to wear two masks, want to force you to take vaccines that you might have an obligation, that you might have a moral or religious obligation against, such as myself. And they want to keep you at home forever. And they want to teach your kids critical race theory and, and all this other shit. Like, this is where it's at now. Like, this is this is where like people are really talking about these things and they're talking about them seriously. And um, you know, for for on the run listeners, like this is the big 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 first step probably. Like I'm actually on the run from from my own home now for for good reasons, for new opportunities, for new adventures, for a big part in my life, but you know, all of this has been leading to this point now. I think over the past year it really accelerated that. So you know, I love Virginia, but 
Virginia's gone, and I'm sad to say it. I hope there's new opportunity and, you know, great times ahead in Wisconsin. I am really looking forward to it. I hope you'll continue to stay around for this journey. Um, you know, this I want this to be a happier episode. I think I'm, ha- I'm ending on a happy note. This is going to be a great new chapter for me, and hopefully you'll be along for the journey. But uh, until next time, folks, go ahead and share this episode with a friend. Or, you know, reach out to me on social media. Hey, Remso, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know, all that, all that stuff. Uh, if you're in Virginia, why are you staying? Or are you considering leaving? Let's have this conversation. As always, be good. Be safe. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Like the Chris Spangle Show, Liberty Explained, The Brian Nichols Show, The Boss Hog of Liberty, Freedom Strips with Keaton Tucker, On the Run with Rimzo Martinez, Gingerarchy with Trisha Stewart Mann, Upward Libertarian Activism, and now hear this. Tune in now and we're going to help you sound smarter when talking with your friends. 